Tanya Luna, psychology researcher and educator. And I'm Brian Luna. I developed a phobia of berries after watching The Blue Lagoon. And you're listening to Talk Talk Psych Psych to Me. A show where we take research out of the lab and into the streets. Let's get into it. Today's episode was sparked by our awesome listener, Laura Hutton. Thanks, Laura. Instead of telling you what the topic will be, though, I'm going to play it for you. Okay. Let me guess. Okay. Branding. Now, theme songs. Close. Songs with a theme. Thematic songs. Nearly identical. (laughs) Which one's close? (laughs) Theme or song? We're going to be talking about the psychology of music today. Ooh, bring it. So we're going to get started right away with the origin of music. Do you think there's an evolutionary explanation for why we make and listen to music? Yes. And what is it? Oh, okay. See, <laughs> see, close any question. Yes. I would say it's what we always talk about, about tribalism and, and tribes and bringing tribes together, a la sports teams and things mm. like that. So like, all you have to do is hum a few bars of a particular college fight song and- Such as? Wait, did you just start a war? So there are a lot of theories out there. I'll summarize some of the most popular ones in the evolutionary psychology world. Of course, number one being from Charles Darwin, might have heard of him, Uh who believed that we evolved with the ability to make music as a way to attract mates. I'm wondering if we can test this theory out. Can you attempt to attract me with some music right now? Oh, my love, my darling. Yeah. I couldn't help but notice you're still wearing clothes. (gasps) Yeah. Another theory, and this one was uh, developed by anthropologist Edward Hagen and psychologist Gregory Bryant, is that music in humans is like howling in wolves. So this is very much like the Brian Luna theory. Yeah. It helps us identify our tribe and feel a sense of social cohesion. As a bonus, evolutionary musicologist Joseph Jordania suggested that particularly loud, synchronized, rhythmic sounds also serve to scare off predators. Eh, I'm going to put a, a kibosh on Jordania. Okay. When we sing, you it attracts, I? yeah, it attracts it our, does attract our, pre- our two <laughs> little predators. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ripley also sings along. She started, she learned how to howl. Thank you, Allie. But I think the point that Jordania was making is that it's those hard rhythmic sounds. So if mm-hmm. we were like stomping and clapping. Oh, okay. So making a lot of noise. I think he just wanted his name in some papers or something like that. Well, it worked. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Because we're talking about next, right now. The other name that I will put out there is <laughs> Stephen Pinker, linguist, psychologist. He calls music auditory cheesecake, a random, delightful accident. It's like a byproduct of evolution versus being adaptive in and of itself. Interesting. Listeners, let us know on Instagram at TalkPsychToMePodcast or by email at TalkPsychPodcast at gmail.com, which theory you believe, or if you have one of your own, or Joseph Jordania, if you're listening, respond to Brian with your rebuttal. <laughs> Before Bring we it on, Jordania. <laughs> Before we move on from the evolutionary psychology part, there's a fun chicken or the egg type of debate. What do you think came first, music or, or dancing? Oh, uh, music or dancing? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a chicken or the egg. You can't dance if you don't have music. How I are you going to keep a rhythm? I, ca- I guess I dance without music, stop but I have it. the music in my yes. head. Yes, stop. It's already okay. there. So you okay. can't, because then you're just flailing. There's, <laughs> because there's no rhythm. There's no, like, the all of dancing Can is, I just see a little re- bit? I know this is an auditory medium, but, oh, that's great. Brian currently is dancing without music. 
<laughs> Listeners, please try it out. It looks like a lot of fun. But my point is, is that dancing enhances music and music enhances dancing. So I, I agree I that they have this really beautiful relationship now. But I guess symbiotic, for, if you will. Yeah. But I guess even thinking about that question for me made me realize, wow, we wouldn't have dancing if nope. we didn't have music. We would just have flailing. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't. We wouldn't have commercials. We if we didn't have music. You're saying we wouldn't sell anything? No. Everything would just be like, how'd you find that? What is that? Coke? K-O-K? <laughs> is that what I'm saying? Because that music, there's no jingles. There's no like thing getting in your craw. You'd have to like really, really get low down and dirty to sell stuff. Wow. But without music. Fascinating. Makes it, A world makes without it music. So, of course, evolutionary psychology is purely speculative. Speculative. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. a hard word. It's a good shot, though. <laughs> just like... Considering a world without music. So let's get into, for this episode, the empirical stuff. I want to get into the research and look at what psychologists have found to be the impact of music on humans, regardless of why we evolved or didn't evolve to produce music. So let's start with music and Mm -hmm. physical performance. Can we try a quick experiment? Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I'm not touching ice. No ice. No ice. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to do five push-ups. Technically 10 push-ups because in condition A, it's going to be push-ups without music. Mm -hmm. And then in condition B, I'm going to ask you to- Should you be telling me this or should you just do it? Well, it's too late, isn't it? Yeah, seriously. I mean, why are you telling me what the conditions are? I agreed. I, I appreciate that you are recognizing yeah, there are now some I'm flaws like, in this Should experiment. I be doing something different? But I won't tell you which version is better. And count them off. One, two, three, four, five. All right. This is my song. And I'm going to ask for five more. Can Count I, them out. Can I pick the song? No. What is this? Count them out. Let's go, Let's Luna. Take no- Hold on, I gotta get <laughs> What song is this? Here we go. We'll leave all the music in the show notes. One, two, three, four, five. All right. Shake it off. Grab a seat. Would you like some water? <laughs> Bring it on. Yes, that good. <laughs> okay. So question, which set of push-ups felt better, A or B? A. <laughs> no music? Yeah. Okay. and Especially that junk. Okay. And uh, which do you think you performed better? I guess the first one felt better because I was concentrating. Okay. And which set made you feel more tired? Neither. <laughs> oh, okay. If I had to choose? Yes. Which required more physical exertion? B. All right. Well, you know what? Peter Terry and team found something very different. Because <laughs> they're working with some pencil necks or something. Some people with, with necks like a stack so, of dimes. So actually what's cool about Peter Terry's work is that they actually did a meta-analysis just recently in 2020 of 139 studies involving over 3,500 participants between 1911 and 2017. Wait, what? So they looked what? at what? What? historical what you... research. So... They basically put together, instead of just one team doing one study, a meta-analysis is when you combine lots of different studies and you look at patterns across. And then one of those teams across. went back in time. No, because publishing leaves a trace. And when you publish something, people can read it even after you're gone. I don't know if that's true. Just like this podcast. <laughs> Hello, nice. people of the future. So listening to music <laughs> during sports, this is what they found. Yeah has a small but significant effect on positive mood and performance, as well as leading to lower perceived exertion and more efficient oxygen consumption. So that clearly didn't work for you. Seems like your hypothesis is that's because it's techno. 
Yeah, or whatever that was. But overall, (laughs) it seems pretty consistently that the findings are that music impacts your physical performance when working out or when competing in sports really positively. Why do you think that is? I think in some weird way, especially if you're singing along or going along with your head, like I said, that rhythm, it works in tandem with your breathing, I think. Mm. And like, say you're on the treadmill or elliptical and you're, and you're, you know, you're not going to play ballads, right? You're going to, you're going to get something with an up tempo to keep your, you know, like it kind of matches. It's almost like you're not working out alone, right? It like, it almost feels like there's someone with you. Yeah, I guess, but it sounded creepy when you said it. (laughs) But, uh, but like, like, so when I'm, uh, when I'm exercising, hitting the bag or whatever, it helps, especially when I, when I hit the bag to find a song with a fast rhythm, because I I try to like match my exhale and my inhale to the beat going in and out. It helps me feel efficient. Yeah. As opposed to like sucking wind and you're you're kind of all over the place. What would that sound like if you were sucking wind? (laughs) (laughs) That's not how I picture it, but that makes a lot more sense. What would you, what would you, do? you I was picturing like, <laughs> like, why? I don't well, do that when yeah, I'm working out. I guess. You I don't make, that. <laughs> no, don't that's make, like, ugh. that's slurping wind. It sounds like you're eating spaghetti. I'm a little dizzy. It sounds like you're eating invisible noodles. So what you're saying goes hand in hand with another study that was done this year. This one by researchers Hove, Stepacher, and Martinez. And they did this really cool study where they looked at what they called high groove music. Nice. So in other words, music that makes you move. And what they found was that the best predictor of grooviness, you think it's tempo, right? Yeah. What they found is that (laughs) it's all about that bass, about that bass. So it's not the up-tempo. By the way, I really struggle with this word because it's spelled bass. And every time I see it, I say bass. And it's so... Well, here here in America, it's what they call a homonym. Say more. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if that's right. (laughs) So volume did have a small but significant effect. But the real impact came from feeling those bass vibrations yeah, in your it has body. Yeah, deep bass. <laughs> deep bass. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to play for you a quick snippet of a hard bass, <laughs> of a hard bass song. Tell me if it does it for you, okay? Can I have a sip of Dr. Pepper while you do that? Yeah, if you don't splash it all over with your, with your dancing along. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> um, and listeners, let us know if it does it for you. Hard bass attack. So that song is actually called Hard Bass. So I figured that would be a good sample. Is this from the rave you went to this week? Did you move? I mean, I'm going to move. I mean, I'm not going to not move. But isn't this interesting? So like what researchers found is they actually looked at even like the forcefulness of finger tapping. And they found that we tap our fingers more forcefully. And they found that you like actually have a hard time not moving. So it's almost like it gets into your body and it makes you move around. Speaking of that bass, there's another well-documented impact that bass has. I'll explain it in a moment. But first, let's recreate a part of an experiment conducted by Dennis, Sue, and team. First, I'm going to give you another clip of music to listen to. So we're going to stop it there. And here's a question for you. Okay. 
imagine that there's a die. Yeah. There's $5. Okay. And if you correctly predict how the die lands, you get to keep the $5. Okay. Do you want me to roll the die or would you prefer to roll the die? I want to roll that die. And finally, Brian Luna fits <laughs> the population of humans. Why? What happened? <laughs> okay, so here's how the research was originally conducted. Mm-hmm. They either had people listen to strong bass songs, like the one that you just heard, yeah. or to similarly up-tempo, but weak bass songs like this one. Because we can, can, can! Yes, we can, 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 can! I'll stop it there. But notice how it's really up-tempo, so uh-huh. it's an exciting song, but it doesn't have that hard no. bass. So what they found mm-hmm. is that people who listen to strong bass music were more likely to get pumped up with a feeling of power. Not only did they feel subjectively more powerful, they also acted more powerful. So, for example, they chose to go first in a competition, and they chose to roll a die themselves rather than letting someone else roll it. It's a power tendency called illusory sense of control, which is what you exhibited. So confidence. It's not just confidence. It's a feeling of the ability to control your environment. That's essentially what power is. Like power is is (laughs) control. So this effect (laughs) held regardless of lyrics and song familiarity, leading Sue and team to conclude that music had a contagion effect. Their hypothesis is that music makes us mimic internally how the music sounds externally. Any idea how you could put this finding to good use? When I'm doing like physical activities, bring the bass or bring the bass. You know what I'm saying? Like, if Preferably I'm, both. If I'm doing something that's going to be physically exerting, it maybe even something that I don't want to do like, um, like uh, I don't know, like moving stuff instead of like working out, you have to do something else that's like has to be done, but moving boxes or whatever. Crank that bass, crank that bass, and then- I guess it'll go by a little easier, right? Yeah. It'll, it'll it'll put a little more pep in your step. You'll feel more energized for sure, yeah. yeah. People also, a lot of times athletes will listen to hard bass music. I'm really struggling with bass, 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 bass. I'll tell you this. Hard bass music right before going out, like boxing or Well, that's why sports. boxers get to choose their own song, yeah. their walkout music. Right. That's very, very important. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, in high school, that's why you have these incredible marching bands. You know, mm. when you go out and play football, rain chant. What? When they started playing rain chant, I felt less tired. That nervous energy goes away. This is not doing it justice. Hearing it live, you actually feel it. In your stomach, well, that's you what's feel really it in important. You need to feel it. Yeah. There was another study that looked at uh, this was also the grooviness research, where they actually had people listening to the same exact music, but mm-hmm. they took all the vibrations out, and it didn't have the same effect. But if you actually felt the vibrations through your body, yeah. that's what really moved you. You can also use this for things like you're about to pitch someone on a project. Maybe you are lacking a sense of confidence, and you want to go and prep yourself for oh, that yeah. conversation. Before every audition, I'd have my. Uh, used to have my headphones in my ears listening to any particular song that I, that's grooving me that day and then i walk in there so if you see me walk if you walk like walk into the room and i'm grooving to some hard bass just know i'm, I'm gonna like, walk I'm back out because i know you're about to drop a kick serious me. conversation yeah. okay so we talked about <laughs> physical performance 
and the physical impact of music. Yeah. Now let's talk about cognitive performance. Okay. So I'm going to recreate a bit of another experiment. This one first conducted by Smith and Morris in 1977. So I'm going to ask you to do some serial subtraction. Okay. okay. You are a person of many talents. You can both do the push-ups and do some mental push-ups. So I'm going to ask you to subtract 21 over and over and over. Okay. So I'm going to use music choices from a similar but more recent study conducted by Ariel Dolgui. This is actually the music from her experiment. Okay. All right. Uh, 358. 358. 358 is 337. Yes. And then keeps. Oh, keep going. Uh, 337. Uh, 16. 316. 316. Yes. Um, let's go one more. 95. 295. Nice. Um, All right, you can stop there. And let's go for one other kind of song. All right, and let's start with 472. 472, subtraction, please. Uh, 41. Uh, No, no, 51. Uh, 251. uh, 451. Uh, Would you say 471? Yeah, 472. 472, okay. Uh, So, 451. Yes. Um, uh, 30. 30. Yep, 430. Yep. 19. Eh. Nine. Yes, four uh, nine. Four yes. nine, yeah. All right, correct. Uh, sorry. Great, you can stop. And let's do one more with no music. The number is 543. 543 is 22. Yes. 522. Uh, 501. Yes. 489. Eh. Uh, 480. 480, correct. All right, so overall, very well done. What do you think the researchers found? That you can't put the same people who did the push-ups doing subtraction. <laughs> it's a very special person. That's what I would say. They found what do you there, think this, like, this whole show push-up. is just me sharing <laughs> the unusual specimen that is Brian Luna with the world? Okay, so this is what they found. They found the head metal music was distracting. The other music was equally distracting. Hmm. Uh, and then the no music was better. Very interesting. Okay, so pretty consistently, this is also across a wide range of studies that have been conducted since Smith and Morris back Mm -hmm. in the 70s. Researchers have found that when a task requires concentration, Mm -hmm. we do them best in silence. Oh, God! (laughs) Again, I said in silence. No, sorry. Which explains why it is sometimes (laughs) quite the struggle. Here we go. Here we go. Working from home with my dear co-host and life partner, Brian Luna, who I would not describe. I would describe you in so many words, but silent is not one of them. I don't think so. Unless it's silent but deadly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. No? All right, so we tend to do worst when we listen to stimulative music. Mm -hmm. So that was like the metal. We do in between when we listen to sedative music. I think the sedative music was distracting too. Agreed, but we tend to do worst if it's more up-tempo. Fernham and Bradley found that introverts are especially screwed up by music, as well as overall background noise, and especially up-tempo, stimulating music. What do you think of these findings as someone who listens to music a lot? Because I see you listening to music when you're writing, which just blows my mind because... Mm -hmm. To me, it seems like you just have people screaming into your head while you're trying to make words come out. Yes. How do you do that? 
Well, if you look at the writing, it's just keystrokes. It doesn't <laughs> so really you're actually just plagiarizing just, lyrics. No, 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 no. It's just literally nonsense. You're it's just banging dings. on the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. You know, music is a big part of my life, especially when I'm writing. As I'm writing, I picture everything like in a movie in my head anyway. And music for a long time, even like when I first got to New York, all I was listening to were soundtracks. The way they use it in film, it helps me to kind of settle on what I'm writing. If I'm writing a scene with heroism or, or someone standing mm. up for something, then that scene I'll just play on a continuous loop over and over to help me flesh out like what I'm feeling and how I want that to be in my story, yeah, like what the music is making me feel. Music uh, is sometimes described as the language of emotions. Yeah. I feel like words are also the language of emotions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess I was surprised to find that so consistently music had a negative impact on cognitive performance. Although there is one caveat, which seems like maybe it explains why music is so helpful for you. So music might not be great if your job is serial subtraction. I don't know whose job that would be. A serial subtractor. Yeah. Okay. So if you are a serial subtractor, you should probably do that computer. in silence. <laughs> Or if your work requires a lot of attention to detail, but music does seem to have a really positive impact on creative work. So for example, Teresa Lesuk tracked engineers for five weeks doing their actual real work, which is a really cool study because the rest of these studies, for the most part, it's just like popping someone into a lab, giving them a little bit of a sound, mm -hmm. you know, and having them do some random task that they don't usually do. So Lesuk's work was really interesting because she actually got to track people in their real environment over yeah. a long period of time. And so what she found is that music improved the engineer's mood and improved their quality of work in situations that required a new way of thinking or creative problem solving. So it's almost like it got them to access different parts of their brains and to look at situations in novel ways that really helped unblock their work. So one of my first jobs when I moved to New York was working in a stockroom at The Gap. But one of the rules in the stockroom was that no music was allowed. So what I did, this sounds like Footloose. But at the Gap, like no, that would, Footloose is no dancing. Okay, I, I guess you can listen to music. But, sort of like Footloose. Yeah, sort of like Footloose. And we did actually have dance-offs afterwards. <laughs> but just silent. Uh, so silent it was, dance. It was, just the it, was, it was just the flailing. It was bananas, flail-offs. I actually had to go and pitch music to my managers. Whoa! I didn't have handouts for everybody because I was I was broke back then. So I made two handouts for the store managers. You of each printed side. handouts. I printed handouts like of my. Findings. So I show them this, and we were allowed then to have one radio uh, in the stock room, and it was like a big win for us. And I was like, I was like, uh, wait a minute, dog. wait a minute. So are you responsible for problems at the gap? Because the research seems <laughs> pretty consistent that with detail oriented work, music leads to underperformance. Was it because people were so comfortable with their job that they no longer but needed to pay close attention? We're not talking attention? about detailed work, okay. specifically. So it's physical. Physical. There's a groove. There's a rhythm to the to what we did. So it wasn't like it was ever broken up. It was the same thing from the minute you walked in to the minute you left. For detailed work, mm -hmm. listening to your preferred music actually leads to worse performance. Well, I can imagine. For mood, yeah. for positive affect, and for that boost of energy, listening to your favorite music makes all the difference. Yes. So when we did inventory, no music. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't allow any music because okay. that's distracting. But, so then you were the Footloose. But I was the Footloose. Okay. I was John Lithgow in Footloose. <laughs> but when we were doing regular work, I was the Kevin Bacon. Okay. Right? Oh. Yeah. All right. So that's my takeaway is know when to be the John Lithgow and, and when, to when to be the be Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to share about Lasuk's research, which is she realized that working while listening to music seems to actually be an acquired skill. So you actually have to get good at it. You have mm -hmm. to 
train yourself to know how to do work while listening to music. And the people that developed that skill then saw much bigger positive consequences in terms of mood and creativity kicking into place. So I thought that was interesting because I almost never listen to music these days. And so like you you walked in on me this morning listening to music. Yes, Vivaldi. Made fun of me for it. Well, because I thought I, I woke Called up in the wrong house. No, I didn't call you pretentious. I just thought I walked I walked into the wrong house. I <laughs> thought I woke up in the wrong house again. Well, after doing some research for the show, I was like, you know what? Maybe let me start adding more music back into as my long life. As, as long as it's not that techno stuff. Speaking of mood, there's a lot of evidence that music is a great tool for improved affect and reduced anxiety. Researchers Knight and Ricard had participants do a presentation in front of strangers, and you and I like that kind of thing. Most normal people do not. And what they found is that participants who prepared for the presentation without music were more highly anxious. But participants who listened to music beforehand reported feeling less anxious, and they actually had lower blood pressure and a slower heart rate. Before um, performing, I would listen to music in the back. And before my solo show, my director, Leisha had my playlist that she knew I was listening to ah. in songs piping through as the intro music. So I was backstage listening to my favorite jams, hearing everybody come in. You used music so well because for a long time, researchers have debated what kind of music is actually best for relaxation and mm-hmm. for improved mood. Stratton and Zanilowski found that it's all about your personal taste. Mm, absolutely. So even death metal makes people happy and calm if they like death metal. So- We know that music can have a positive impact on physical performance, on mood, on anxiety, on creativity. There's one final thing before we wrap up that I want to share with you from the field of music psychology. And that's the concept that researchers Harrison and Louis call skin orgasms. Yeah. (laughs) So the technical term for this is frisson, which is a French term. It comes from the French word meaning to shiver, but it's most commonly described as getting chills. So I'm going to play for you a quick clip and see if you get any chills. It's going to be hard for you in the room. So it's interesting that you say that because one of the findings about frisson is that you're much more likely to feel it if you feel immersed in the music. Well, I usually frisson a lot easier with my eyes closed. Yeah. So whatever listeners and Brian, whatever you have to do to get your frisson on, please do so now. I'm going to play a short clip. There, uh, so I saw you do give me some frisson signals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you feel it? Yeah, I, did. I felt it too. I did. I was surprised that I felt it because I was like, you knew it was coming. I knew it was coming, but yeah. it still happened to me. I did not know it was coming, and I got them frisson. It seems like those chills are most often produced not for everyone, but for a lot of people. So not everyone seems to feel them, um, but for a lot of people, it's produced because of musical surprises, like sudden harmonies or crescendos, mm-hmm. or it'll often be a single human voice or a violin, or maybe like an abrupt ending. Hmm. And those are the kinds of things that produce those shivers. Mine is like an imperfect, perfect voice, like Satchmo. Like when I hear What a Wonderful World, mm. every time I get those frisons. What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. <laughs> 
Thanks, Alexa. Well, let's go with it. Um, so when I hear this song, it, 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 it does something to me. Like even now, I, I feel sad. It, it, it takes me to a place. It takes me, and I can't tell you the first time I heard this song, but I know it was played for me. I never would have reached out for this. In other words, I either came out on a movie um, or something like that, and, 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 it, and it brings me every time for zone. Let's give it a couple of seconds. I see skies of blue and clouds of white. The bright blessed day, the dark sacred night. Listeners, if you're out there and you're, you're, you have a song, please reach out to us and let us know what that is. Yeah, what, what gives you? What are, yeah, let's hear some of those free zones from out there and and see what y'all what y'all are gonna bring us. So. Alexa, stop. Should we be concerned that she started playing it without us asking her to? She started playing when I was thinking about it. Fascinating. That's creepy. I will say one last thing about this is that neuroimaging studies show that when frisson happens, our pupils dilate, our hmm. palms get a little bit sweaty, and we get this sharp release of dopamine, which, as you know, is yeah. the reward neurotransmitter. And so it's like an adventure for our ears oh, and, wow. and for our bodies. So my takeaway, if you're able to spend more time immersed in music, especially if you've been feeling stuck or anxious, don't think of music as an escape. Because I think that does a disservice to us right now. Mm -hmm. We need us. We need people to be present so that we can solve the problems of our world together. But think of it as your refueling station. And the other takeaway for me is that maybe you don't know what fuel is best for you. It is so important to find what moves you and what resonates with you. So you've got to start doing some experimenting of your own. And at a time when so many of us are feeling like we don't have a lot to look forward to, I think that could be really interesting psychological adventure where you go, how can I turn up the volume, so to speak, on my own human experience by finding my own soundtrack? Hmm. What are your takeaways? Well, in the immortal words of Bernie Casey, it's my theme song. Every good hero should have one. Hmm. I never think of music as an escape. Like you said, I picture music as a door. Every song is a different door to a different parallel universe or a different memory or a different dimension. And it just takes you there. Yeah. So, so yeah. if you can't travel right now, start traveling through music. Yeah. Oh, and you know what else brings music to my ears, Brian? I'm going to guess it has something to do with... Hearing positive feedback. <laughs> <laughs> or hearing any feedback, please rate the show, sing its praises to others. Nice. And come talk psych to us on Instagram. Again, it's talk psych to me podcast or by email at talkpsychpodcast at gmail.com. We want to know. We're listening. What gives you chills? What's your theme song? Talk psych to us. What are your theories about why music exists? Show us clips of you dancing without music. All of that. And as always, thank you for listening to. Talk psych to, to me. me. Cue that music. <laughs>